Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Wednesday, the 17th of July, 2013. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, We Agnostics, and we are on page 46, the last full paragraph that begins much to our relief. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Rose, 12 Traditions, Margaret Kay, and then Helena, Sharon, Fran, and and Michelle. And the share code for yesterday, Tuesday the 16th of July, is 4807, 4807. OA Preamble of Readers Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Rose to please read the 12 steps. Thank you, Monica. This is Rose, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Rose. I will now ask Margaret Kay to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Margaret in South Jersey, Recovered. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are on, in the chapter We Agnostics. We are on page 46 the last paragraph that begins much to our relief and I will ask Helena Helena to start reading please good morning this is Helena from South Jersey much to our relief we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God our own conception however inadequate was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. 
we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. Um, this is what a wonderful paragraph. We do not need to consider another's conception of God. Nothing that I was taught, nothing that was forbidding and narrow, nothing that was exclusive needed to be retained in me. Nothing that other people told me that I had difficulty swallowing. I only needed to make a beginning. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. This does not mean that this is where I was going to stay for the rest of my life. I only needed to make a start and the door would be open. I only had to admit that there was even a possibility that there was a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity and I could make a beginning. When I came into this program, I did have a God already. I had a God who was not broad, roomy, and all-inclusive. I had a God who was exclusive and forbidding. And it was very difficult for me, on the, along the same lines as it may be for the 50% of the early people who were agnostic, to find a God of my own understanding, to find a power greater than myself. And yet that was needed in order to just make a beginning. And there was a lot of confusion for those of us who are, maybe, for those of us who, like myself, had a definite God, and yet that, was not, that God was not a power sufficient to stop me from picking up my drug of choice, my food. So I had to be just as open to the concept that there may be something bigger than what I already knew. In the same way, I had to lay aside prejudice. So back in the old days, I never read this chapter. This was for agnostics. And yet I find this chapter is really for all of us. Pass. Thank you, Helena. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Nancy. Can I share? This is Paula. May I share? Oh, okay. I heard Nancy. I heard Paula, and I heard someone before Nancy and Paula. Who was that? Eileen. Rose. Eileen. Rose. Okay, we'll start with Eileen and Nancy and go from there. Eileen. Okay, thanks, Monica. It's Eileen, a recovering food addict. Uh, this is a wonderful uh, paragraph. Um, totally, uh, I agree with that you have to seek out uh, a God uh, that's that you that's a God to you. It has to be within your conception. I mean, I was always taught uh, growing up Catholic that God was punishing. That if we didn't do uh, the right things or go to mass on a weekly basis, we'd be punished. And I always had a fear of God, um, but my relationship with my higher power or God has grown. 
you know, when I first walked in the rooms and I didn't get abstinent, I think my my relationship started to grow back then until finally I got abstinent in 2004. And um, I believe now that God is loving. God loves me. He doesn't want bad things to be ha- happening to me. Uh, I'd always compare myself uh, when I was younger to other people, and even now, comparing my recovery to someone else's. I can't do that, comparing my relationship to God with yours. I know that God is there for me, and I know that God loves me. Um, definitely a new sense of power and direction um in my life now um and uh the realm of the spirit is broad roomy and all inclusive um so um i i just i can't say enough about this paragraph and uh with that i'll pass thanks thank you eileen nancy go ahead Thank you, Monica. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nancy, Compulsive Reader in Lewiston, Idaho. I love this paragraph. Um, you know, I shared a little bit yesterday about the troubles I had coming up with my own conception of God just because I thought, you know, that was wrong. And besides thinking it was wrong, I had this belief that I wasn't good enough. And so, you know, the only people that find favor in God's eyes are those who are, quote, good enough. And so I just gave up. But, um, you know, I'm going down further in the paragraph And it says that, um, you know, I'm trying to find here. It says, God, um, we found that God does not make too hard a terms with those who seek him. But then you look down the next sentence, and it says, the the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding for those who earnestly seek. So this this is talking about action. And it's talking about, um, it also puts in a, um, some action in there. It says, we found, we began to be possessed by a new sense of power and direction um, as soon as we admitted the possible existence. But then there's a proviso in there, provided we took other simple steps. And so it takes action. So the reason that that stands out to me is because I, my, my um, contact before was God, please help me. And then I go on and do the things that I had been doing all along. I didn't put any effort into it. There was no action other than God help me, um, you know, the cries for help. And then I go on and continue doing what I'm doing. Um, One of the things that I've heard this guy say that I'm doing a big book study with just started is that willingness without action is a fantasy. And that's what I live. I lived a fantasy, especially about my conception of who God was. He, you know, God is not a magic wand that's going to zap me well just because I cry out for help. I have to take some action. And I need to earnestly seek him, meaning with meaning, with meaning, okay, I really want this. I'm going to put some, I'm willing to put some effort into it. And then the other thing for me I realized is once I made the contact, that was enough to make a beginning, absolutely, because I did feel that sense of, um, that sense of peace that came over me once I just made the contact but it took more after that. It took more. I needed to build the relationship. 
And that's the part that I never did before. I might have cried out for help, but I never took any action to build the relationship. Just like my relationship with my friends and family. If I never saw them and never talked to them, there would be no relationship. And it's the same thing I found with God. If I don't take time for him every day and make contact and talk to him, then and then also listen. You know, that's the second part of a of a um, intimate relationship. One is you know, talking to them, but two is listening to them. And so I wasn't doing either of those. Um, so that's why I had trouble with my conscious contact with the higher power. Um, but I am so grateful for the gift of desperation, like I said yesterday, because it allowed me to say, what the heck, I'll give it a try. Words might have been a little more stronger than that at the time, but I gave it a try. I was willing to give it a try and now, today, I'm willing to put in some action, which makes it more than, it's not just a fantasy now because I have the willingness and the action. And so I have results rather than just fantasy. So thank you so much for letting me share, and I'm glad you're all here this morning. Thank you, Nancy. Paula and then Rose. Paula, go ahead. Star one, Paula. Yes, Paula, I'm here. Thank you. And thank you for your service also, Monica. This line, and I'm going to stay right here, our own conception. That was my belief. However inadequate. Well, that kind of threw me a bit. Not equal to the purpose. Not equal to the purpose. But then it continues on. Was sufficient. It was enough. It was enough. To make the approach that's it, to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. Every time I read this, I love to fly. I love to fly. But it's that landing that always gets me, going to a new place, going to a new place. But when you come in, especially a night flight, and you're coming in and all the lights are on, and still there's that little apprehension. But you know there's that trust in that pilot. And then you're coming in, and then, do you know when you all of a sudden hear the ba-bump? And you've made contact. And you're now on land. You're not out the door yet, but you've made the contact. The approach has been made. And you sense with everything within you, contact has been made. And there it is. There it is. And it's enough. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Rose, go ahead. Thanks, Monica. This is Rose, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And um, I just have a couple of brief things to say from my own experience with this. Um, In the sentence, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power um, that was just spoken of. And that, that is what happened to me. In um, November uh, 24th, 1973, was a was my first experience with uh, step two, where that was the first night I prayed <clears throat> to God, whomever He was, and asked for help because I couldn't get sober and I couldn't get abstinent, and so I um, I gave it um, the barest possibility that perhaps. Perhaps there was help from someone or something, and um, and I had quite an experience. And I, um, 
like uh, Paula just said, I made a contact. A contact was made with me, and a power and a direction came in. And then the next sentence, provided we took other simple steps, which are the twelve, the rest of the 12 steps, uh, going to step three, turning your will and life over. Um, <clears throat> I didn't do that. Um, I hadn't surrendered to the disease, um, but it, being around the meetings and the program, it was beginning to take me, but I did not give myself to it. The contact was made. And then it goes from there to say, um, never exclusive forbidding to those who earnestly seek. I didn't. I didn't earnestly seek because I hadn't surrendered the um, compulsive overeating addiction. I hadn't surrendered it. And then um, denote the passing of many years. And last year, a surrender took place for me. And at that point, this word earnestly, seek, all I can say is the power that took that I made a connection with, that connected with me that night for the first time, had never obviously abandoned me and was there waiting for me to turn back to him and ask for the help. And that, again, took place last year. And the earnestly seeking from there was, was, was it my doing? That power really flowed in. And so... Um, but this whole paragraph I relate to, but these particular parts of those sentences are like my living experience. And and the one thing I always like to add is that no matter um, how long a person uh, on the line has been trying to connect with the program, from my own uh, dear, dearly bought experience, um, it, it doesn't matter how long it takes. As soon as um, someone is willing and then follows it up with this earnestly seeking, God is right there. I mean, faster than the speed of light. So thank you, Monica. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rose. And this is Monica, and I'm going to jump in here. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Our own conception, however inadequate. What's conception? It's design, thought, idea, so our own thought, our own design, our own idea of God, of a power greater than us, that's not me, it's something greater than me, what, however simple it is, whatever it is I want it to be, is sufficient to make the approach and to affect the contact with him. Wow. Wow. It's not telling me I have to understand what God is. I don't fully have to understand this. I don't have to try to figure it out. You know, in a way, this is a relief. You know, my way wasn't working. So in a way, this was a relief to me. I could come up with my own idea of God. And it didn't have to be anything that anybody else was trying to tell me or believed my own own idea and that was enough to make a beginning and it says here we begin to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction 
provided we took other simple steps. So I've come up with my own idea. And it says here, I'm going to get some direction. Yes. If you're, if you've come to step two, you've made, you've come to the conclusion here. Uh, step one, that you're powerless. And step two, you need a power greater than you. And so you've come up with this idea of, of what your greater power, your God is going to be. It says now we're going to give you directions. You can get directions to go on. And with those directions will come a sense of power, will come some changes in your life. And those simple steps are, of course, the 12 steps. And they will, working through the steps, they will increase your idea, your understanding, your conception of God. You will develop a relationship that you never had before. And it goes on to say that, you know, he doesn't make hard terms. All we have to do is be willing and ask. And the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, you know, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding, you know. Arms open as wide and then even further than they can be, than we can imagine. A great big opening. It's not a tiny little mouse hole you're trying to get through. He's waiting there with great big arms for those of us who earnestly seek, you know. And they're saying it's open to all, we believe, to all men. And this is the we, the we, the first 100 recovered alcoholics are saying this. This is our experience. That's, this is what we have experienced by doing this. And this is very important, this paragraph for your sponsor working with a sponsee, is to make sure and be very clear that their own conception is all they need to begin with. And with that, I'm going to pass. And would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Bella. I heard Bella and I heard Leah. Did I hear Leah? Correct. Leah and Linda. Okay. Bella, go ahead. Thank you very much. My name is Bella, and I am a compulsive overeater. Thank you very much for this wonderful meeting. It's it's a miracle from God that we have this opportunity to hear and to to express and to hear so many wonderful things. I wanted to say that when I just started the program, I I learned how to live and how means uh, honest, open mind, and willing. And when I just accepted and admitted that I am willing to change my mind, to change my way of looking at things, the way of my thinking, I was able to see a different God that I was used to. Even though I grew up in a religious family, in a religious environment, I completely saw and see a different God. It's a loving father. It's a, a trusting father. And as much as I was open to change my mind, I saw how wonderful father in heaven we have. And it's so much empowering me and it's so much uh, supporting me. And now I learned also to be careful of the way I am talking. Uh, before the program, I was saying, yes, I have so many uh, um, struggle in life, and struggle is 
a negative way, it's a struggle. Now I learned to say, I don't have struggles, I have challenges. And the challenges are coming from a trusting God. And it's so much, it comes from so much love and, and care of me. And yes, even though I am, I am a small part in this whole entire world, God is changing everything that I should feel uh, comfortable and I should feel supported. And it's all, it's not that God changed, it's the same God. It's I changed. My way of thinking, my way of behaving changed. I see now the way of life, the, the way to behave in a different in a different way. I see now, you know, I cannot be honest with myself in if I don't have any connection with God. My connection is based of honesty and of willing. And yes, because God gave me the miracle and I, I have the open mind. And by this I will pass. Thank you very much. Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much, Monica. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things. You know, the big book's not cramming anything down my throat. It's not attempting to force any kind of God on on us. What, what it's doing is, uh, you know, helping to open open our mind up, um, and then God can prove to us that there's a God. All I have to do is be willing to believe, willing to believe, because when, when I got to this point, you know, uh, you know, my, my life was deteriorating faster than I could lower my standards uh, when it came to this disease. It, it had uh, just beaten me, you know, into a bloody pulp, so, uh, you know, was I going to be willing to believe? And the answer is yes, because a life based on the belief that God exists was going to be far superior to a life without that foundation because I had the results of that. My, my life was, was living evidence of the results of, of a life based without that foundation. So, you know, my life was going to improve. And that would be true even if God did not really exist. The whole point is, am I willing? My problem was was not going to be one of proving, uh, you know, there's a God. My problem was to act as if there it was true and to stop acting as if it were not true. That's it. Act as if it's true, Leah. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I decided, you know, the pain had gotten so great that I made a decision, you know, to base my life on the assumption that if it's in the big book, it's true as far as I'm concerned. And that eliminated any of this um, mental gymnastics or debate that went on uh, previously. Because how 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 hot was I going to... Uh, experience hell the the 
the evidence was that this disease was going to continue to progress. My disease never slept. It never slumbered. It continued to progress. So, Leah, when are you going to let go and just be willing to believe? Believing is just a state of mind that I had to have before I could begin this process. And it was an awesome force. And everybody has it. But what matters is how am I going to use it and apply it in my life? How am I going to utilize that willingness to believe? It's, it's a choice. It's a place to begin. It allowed me to begin even without convictions, even without understanding or being able to define. And, and I think that's the greatest difficulty that some of us have with believing is that we want something with more certainty at this point to start with, with more assurance. And we don't have to be in that place. We just, we don't have to have faith before we start. We just have to be willing to believe. Believing is the beginning point. It's the beginning point. It, because it says here, um, you know, as soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative te- intelligence, a spirit of the universe, and, a, and you'll notice as we read this chapter that the authors use all kinds of terminology to describe a higher power. Here we see creative intelligence, spirit of the universe. They'll use friend. They'll use creator. They'll use father of light. They'll use realm of the spirit. All kinds of uh, terminology to allow a huge huge hoop to jump through. So it says, as soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed. What was I previously possessed by? I was possessed, of course, by the obsession of the mind, a thought that took possession of me without my permission. But now I was going to begin, begin to be controlled or owned, begin to be controlled or owned, possessed of a new sense of power and direction. But here's a provision. Here's a requirement, provided we took other simple steps. So step two is merely a beginning. And if willingness is the key to unlock the gates of hell, it is going to be action. It is going to be taking these other simple steps that will open the doors so that I can walk freely. And that's exactly what happened. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Linda, go ahead, Linda. Hi, everybody. It's Linda. Hello, this is Go ahead. Go ahead, Linda. Oh, thanks, Monica. It's Linda from Connecticut, and I am, thank God, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, It's amazing to me what was just said, because that was what I was going to say, so I'll say it again, Uh, that somebody else had the same experience. I had to act as if I had no concept of God. I was totally, uh, I was an atheist. I didn't want to be, but I was. But I was willing to believe because I was terrified. I was so nuts and so sick. I was terrified. And I did act as if. And God showed up through the steps, just exactly what was said. I'm the last person that expected God to show up. And God showed up and, and was nothing to be afraid of. And I was told to look for coincidences. And I did. And there were 870 six million coincidences and I got the idea there might be a force behind that and it's funny now but 
it's a whole way of life. And uh, God is loving. And when I realized that, and when I realized through step work over time, that I had been carried from within my entire life, I burst into tears with gratitude. This is very, very real. God is very, very real and not scary at all. What's scary is trusting that I'll connect to it. But I will, and so will you. So hang in there and do the steps. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Linda. Let's move on to the next paragraph, please. And Sharon, would you read? Good morning, Monica. Thank you. This is Sharon R.S. Very grateful to be on the line with you this morning. When therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your conception of God. This applies to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth. To effect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. Afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth. But if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. Well, great. Here we go. Bill is really breaking it down for us. And the the um, do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. This is all about you right here. And prejudice is a very personal thing. And it means, and it refers to prejudgment, prejudgment. It's like a wall that we put up, and it's making a decision before we become aware of the relevant facts. I looked up the the definition. Making a decision before becoming aware of the relevant facts. And I know for me, I was taken to church, and, and I basically was taught my parents' religion and beliefs. And the Sunday school teacher or the minister, I was taught by them what to believe. And I did actually, as a child, start working on my own uh, relationship with my God. But when it came to food, somehow I could not see that power helping me and working through me to get rid of this horrible problem that I had. The information, the knowledge, the insight, the belief that I had did not heal me, did not get me recovered. So I had a choice. I could stick with what I had been given 
or I could open my mind up. And I really look at Bill as an example of what needs to be done to break through the prejudices of belief, the prejudice of refusing to believe, or the prejudice of not being able to believe because perhaps something happened in in your past, our past, that prevents that belief. What Bill did, and, and looking back at Bill's story, it's about how he found that opening, that small little opening that allowed him to receive the power that he needed to recover. And the first thing as I look, first of all, he evaluated his belief system. He didn't just keep going along. He took some time when Eddie came when Eddie came into his his kitchen and they sat there. Bill evaluated what he thought about God. He teased it out so that it wasn't just I believe and and a set of rules or whatever. He basically looked at his beliefs. He took it, he took instead of having a prejudice, which was which is this belief system that uh, doesn't have facts, he he really broke it down. He looked at all of the things, and he looked at it from an intellectual point of view for the most part because that's where he was coming from. But I really encourage, and I my sponsor had me do this, to look at my beliefs. What did I believe? What was positive about it? What was negative about it? to really start teasing that out so I can see, just like Bill did, where I, I, I was at, where I was at, what I believed, what I didn't believe, and, and to really start getting an understanding, but knowing, of course, that it's that understanding that it's not the understanding that's going to get me spiritual growth. It's that opening. It's that opening and bill and it's but we need to know where we're at and after bill did that thorough evaluation of what he believed he realized that he could not accept there was still something holding him back he could not accept that this god that he understood and had been aware of for for all of his life he could not believe that it could be personal, that this God could care enough about him individually to intervene and deliver him from this alcoholic problem. But then the miracle question that I believe that is the foundation of our recovery program of, of AA, the foundation question, why don't you choose your own conception of God? And that was the beginning. That was the beginning for Bill. That is our beginning. Choosing our own conception, recognizing that no matter how religious and how faithful and how much of a believer or how much of an atheist or agnostic, none of that got us recovery. We were in misery, abject 
misery, hopeless, despair. If you're like me, that's where I was. I had to do something different. Continuing the way I was going was just keeping me in the hell hole. To get out, I had to do what Bill did. And I had to ask, I had to look at that question. Why don't you choose your own conception of God? Why? Why not? I believe that this is God, to me, this is God speaking. Leah talked earlier, the big book, being, I believe this is God speaking to me. And I had to let go of the fear of accepting that I could choose my own conception. It's just the beginning. It's not the end of the story. There's still more. This is just the beginning, opening the mind. What? Why not think about that? Think about it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sally. I heard Sally, and I hear somebody else. Zippy. Zippy. Okay, Sally and then Zippy. Thank you, Monica. Good morning. It's Sally from South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. I just uh, want to jump in here with um, a thought. Belief, that's what we're being asked to to do here, to, to be willing to believe and, you know, I was thinking that how many times a day we all do that, how many times we actually believe something we don't see. Um, when I open up the shower and water comes flying out, I'm always marveling at how my plumbing works. I have no idea how it works. I don't know how that water got there. I'm thrilled that it's there, but um, it's just for me, just a push of my wrist to open up a valve and water comes flying out. And um, I wouldn't have even pushed that valve if I didn't have some experience, belief, that something good was coming out of there. And yet there are times when you do things and you, um, that you didn't have such a great experience with. Like yesterday I had to get my oil changed. I've taken my car to mechanics that have really messed up my car in the past, and yet it didn't stop me from going to a mechanic yesterday to get an oil change. I never saw the mechanic. I never saw the oil that he took out of my car. I just took it on faith that he was back there working on my car, changing my oil, and that was a lovely thing. Um, I I have great faith when I push the buttons on my phone. I haven't got a clue how my iPhone works, and yet this little machine does a thousand functions for me. And so all of this takes great faith for me to pick up that thing and press a little button and, um, and find that it's doing what I want it to do. It's amazing. And that happens for all of us so many times a day throughout our day of all the different gadgets that we've got on our planet at this point that just uh, gives us hope that it's going gonna, it's gonna to work the way it says it's going to work. And that's, that's really how I see my relationship with my higher power. I, I have had bad experience with my higher power before I've had, you know, I have felt in the past that he dropped the ball. Why bother praying? He doesn't do what I want anyway. He's going to drop the ball. 
Um, I've had a lot of negative thinking about my higher power, but I, too, had to reach a point of developing a new conception of my God, let go of my childhood, Santa um, Claus-infused God, and and let him be God, and me stop being God. And, and, And so at the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, what was all we needed? We, we needed a conception. We needed to, be, to believe, to have a willingness to believe. So at the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. What a lovely sentence. What a very gentle, gentle sentence. That all we have to do is be willing to concede that perhaps Perhaps I've been wrong in my approach. Perhaps I should be a little more surrendered in how I approach this topic. Afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. Well, acceptance and surrendering outcomes was a huge part of my healed relationship with my higher power for I was, you know, dictating... Um, I had God by the juggler, to put it quite bluntly. I want this. This is how I want it done. I want it now. Blah, 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 blah. I don't do that anymore. Now I have acceptance for how my higher power receives my prayers and how he responds to me. I surrender outcomes. They may be no answer at all. I accept that as, as the answer. Afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth. But if we wish to grow, we have to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. And I took my conception of my higher power far away from any church doors that I had ever passed through. And I created for myself a a conception of my higher power who loves me, who sits on the edge of his seat, when he hears me coming and he says, oh boy, here comes my Sally. He embraces me as much as I embrace him. And I just really encourage those out there to use your imagination of what your higher power might look like to you, whether he's out in the middle of a field or under a tree sitting and waiting for you. But I just encourage you to be completely open-minded and to begin with your own conception with God What limits my thinking about my God? How can I remove these limitations? It's just one day at a time. It's a a moment today, one moment today that you might stop and be still, pause and ponder and think, what would I like my higher power to look like? With that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. And please remember here to comment on what was read. Zippy, go ahead. Hi, this is Zippy. Um, Thank you, everyone that's on the line. Thank you, Monica, for your service. So when it comes to conception, I came into this a little backwards because I didn't question God, and I love the God of my religion and my life, but I didn't understand that I was agnostic in ways in my life when I turned to numbing things that happened into my life with my food instead of turning to God, I was agnostic. 
And it was, it was such an eye-opener for me as I stumbled in my recovery and I relapsed that I, I need to access the power in every, this power in every single way of my life, if I agree, if I disagree, if I like it, if I don't like it. Because when I understood the mental obsession and I understood that I was using my way, you know, I was doing the God dance. Um, I wanted to be God sometimes, and I and I didn't understand how to ac- access it for my food. Like, what was wrong with me? And um, I had to make that decision, and and I had to use this conception and the tools of the of the steps to understand what I was doing and to understand that I too was agnostic. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Zippy. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Marjorie. Sarah. Marjorie and then Sarah. This is Marjorie. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. One of the smaller points in this paragraph has been very important to me over the years with learning how to navigate through this book. It's the instruction that says, this applies to to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. That instruction was presented to me as you can look at the words in the book, anything that is new to you, and most of this was new to me, new attitudes, new conceptions, and I can define how I wanted to see it. Not only in addition to the concept of God. The concept of God or a power greater than myself was essential for me to recover. But here was something that I could use just in order to be able to use the tool of the book. And I found that when I said, what does this term mean to me, applying it to many of the different terms, I had no idea. And so then what I did was I listened to what other people said. And I looked in dictionaries. I had one sponsor who was a librarian who introduced me to the Oxford English Dictionary, 26 volumes. And sometimes that would confuse me and sometimes it would help me. But ultimately, by listening to other people and reading what other writers had written, I was eventually able to come up with not necessarily definitions or descriptions, but workable ways of using some of the terms in this book. And I find that that's given me a lot of freedom to expand this way of living beyond just how am I going to not compulsively overeat, but to be able to be applying it in all areas of my life to carry the steps into all areas of my life and have that spiritual awakening in all areas of my life. Thank you for listening to me. I pass. Thank you, Margie. Sarah, go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, Monica and everyone. My name is Sarah, compulsive overeater from New York. Um, At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. These words... First, conscious relation with God. Um, 
really speak very loudly to me because it's a conscious relationship. God always had a relationship with me. The question is, did I have a relationship with God? He has gotten me up every day. He's been taking care of me all along. He's been doing all these things for me that I never necessarily paid attention to, appreciated, or took notice of. And now, um, as to commence spiritual growth, to commence a relationship that's now, um, when you, I looked up the word relation in the dictionary, and it, and it says kinship, close connection with something, to relate to something, bearing close connection. So if, if I want to have a close connection and a relationship, so then afterwards, after I'm making this conscious, uh, the conscious relationship, um, afterwards we find ourselves accepting many things which then seems entirely out of reach. That was growth. And the first three steps um, of the 12 steps are steps of giving up. I have to give up power. I have to give up a set, you know, um, I've admit my powerlessness. I have to give up my self-will. That's really what it is. It's giving up. So but what am I giving up and I'm re- what am I replacing with my giving that up? I'm replacing my self-will and my lack of a relationship with God with a now conscious relationship with God, allowing a partnership, I'm giving up my self-centeredness, I'm giving up my my ego, in order, it's, it's really giving up my ego in order to have a conscious relationship, an intentional relationship with God, and letting Him now be an active and conscious member of my life and the more that i do that and to the level and to the extent that i do that on a conscious level the more profound my growth i'm i'm aware of my growth and and that god is able to do for me what i could never do for myself and with that i'll pass thank you thank you sarah and we've come to the end of our time so i thank everyone who has shared and we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Fran, can you read a vision for you, please? Good morning, this is Fran. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.
Thank, Thank you, Fran. Oh.